From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. Welcome to The Desert Scene on Radio 111. This is so exciting. Hey, Brian, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing good. It just trips me up. That's an interesting theme song. I, I know, like yeah. that. We got new music, a new name for the show, a new name for the station. We're back after a little break. It's fall. It's This is exciting. I like this. I really do. It's like, it's kind of, you know, funny enough, this kind of reminds me of, I'll tell you later on our Today in Pop Culture History okay. segment, but okay. it kind of reminds me of the of the of the event that happened about 50 years ago but well okay, i'll tell okay. you later and you know what you know what i feel like brian we're evolving we're growing we're evolving we're maturing <laughs> we're you know like a fine wine i think it's great so let's talk about some stuff that has happened that we've seen and things that have happened since we left met, met last and talked last um we were talking just before we got on a couple of shows, the Rocky Horror Show, and uh, actually, they have a midnight. They're closing s- uh, Saturday midnight is the last show. They're closing. Um, if you haven't seen it, if they've got any tickets left, I don't know if they do. Fabulous show, just fabulous. I will say though that for me, I was not surprised that they got an extension because they were supposed to close a couple weeks ago, yes. and I was actually on the last original last show. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard they got the extension, because I actually did meet the cast and I got to have Mm -hmm. dinner with some of the cast members Mm -hmm. because I knew somebody and I was not surprised and I had heard a lot of things. And so, you know, break a leg to everybody Mm -hmm. that's doing the show this, uh, I think today, actually. Yeah. um, And Robbie Wayne, who I love, he's a dear friend. And he, of course, is the artistic director, plays Dr. Frankenfurt and just blows it away i mean he was born to play that role he just really and everybody's and their their special effects all the tech stuff was great um the singing the band of course jackie davis as a friend of mine who runs the band who's the musical director and does piano band's fabulous some really great just a really well done show and i think what i like about this version of rocky the rocky horror show is that they actually have like really good singing as yes. opposed to like the stylish singing that Typically, the show is famous for because I don't think anyone's going to really say Susan Sarandon's a great singer traditionally. Yeah, she, she did okay. She did okay in the movie, yeah. But yeah. certainly, I would say it was. It really stands out when you have really good singers like they do at the Desert Rose Playhouse. And I think what I like about it, and from what some of the people were telling me when I had dinner with them, was. They were not trying to be imitations of the movie, but doing right. their own show, mm-hmm. doing their own version of it. And I think it really stands out. And I think that their casting decisions, I like the fact that they kept traditionally like mm-hmm. a man playing Frankenfurter because, yes. oh, you know. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know that some people wanted to kind of change it up, but I kind of feel like Frankenfurter being played by anyone but a man yeah. is like yeah. Peter Pan being played by anyone but a woman. I feel like certain casting decisions make yeah. more sense. And so I'm really glad that while they didn't want to like imitate the movie, that they still kept those traditions that work so well yeah. about the show. Yeah, and I I, I went over and I reviewed it for CV Independent, of course, gave him a rave. Um, and but and one thing I noticed was Ben Reese who plays um, Riff Raff. Um, and I said this in the review. I just thought it was. I mean, of course, he, everybody. It's kind of a wild and crazy show if you haven't seen the movie. It's a little off the beaten path, but yeah. But he, I thought, even in his long way, of course, he's got a great voice. Was oddly 
there was something oddly slightly attractive about him. <laughs> I can see it. Even, but in the movie, Richard O'Brien was just creepy. I mean, oh, he was yeah. just creepy. But this, Ben Reese just had some kind of charisma about him, you know, I thought. And I, and I also know um, one of the cast members, April Miha, who plays um, the usherette. Mm-hmm. I think that she did such a good job introducing the show yeah. that I actually was like, you know what? You're my friend, and usually I try not to, you know like have that influence me but i was like no you were genuinely good introducing the show because rocky horror is one of those shows where if you're not playing frankenfurter it's going to be a little hard to sort of like get everyone to notice you find a way to stand out stand out Mm -hmm. and the usherette is a good opportunity but i feel like i've seen performances where if the usherette is in a certain way it doesn't doesn't play very well And I love the fact that she wasn't trying to be like super like perky, but mm-hmm. she genuinely performed it in a way that was very erotic, evoc. I would say, yeah. not, I would say erotic yeah. or exotic actually. Yeah. yeah. And and usually they have this way of like being funny, like trying to squeak up their voice because the original show they're like science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the movie, it's Richard O'Brien's voice out yeah. of a woman's lips. Yeah. So I like the fact that she did it in a way that was funny, but it was also like... Genuinely her. Yeah. Genuinely her, yeah. and it was genuinely sexy if you actually wanted to look at it that yeah. way. And it's a little bit of pressure, because she opens the whole thing. So it's a little bit of pressure. The other, I mean, everybody was great, but I also loved Richard Marlowe, who did The Professor. I thought he was fabulous. You know, the narrator, the professor. The oh, whole about, yeah. yeah. I, I thought he was wonderful. And I also will have to give credit to someone else in the show, like uh, Christian Cuadero. I think that's how his name is, but his name is Christian. I, I just read the name, but I don't know. Oh, who did he play? Remind he me. He played Eddie and oh, yeah. yes. Dr. Scott. And mm-hmm. I like the fact that this was one of the few times where I've seen a version of this show where both act, where the same actor plays both characters, where mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, it actually makes sense because uh-huh. I've seen a version of it in LA where Dr. Scott's played by the same actor who plays Eddie. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt that... I, I didn't. I knew that, you know. You obviously, didn't notice they were it. You didn't notice it. I don't yeah. think this in the show as much. Oh, it's yeah. the same guy. You didn't yeah. really notice it that much. No. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it, but also like it wasn't off-putting. Like mm-hmm. it was clear that it was a person. It was clear, you know. Obviously, you have to suspend your disbelief that it's someone in older person makeup. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't feel weird to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and so that's what I love about that show. And also, I would say, just in general, just. They use the set really well. Yes. That w- the if and the whole building and the the exactly. stairs and all of it. Yeah, yeah. And and I, and it felt very immersive. So because mm-hmm. we're in such a small space, that I feel like people kind of put down small theaters or theaters that are comfy oh, size. Some of those are the best. You see the best stuff sometimes in smaller theaters. I think. I think you get yeah. closer to the thing, and it's I th- more intimate, and you you feel the if it's a good show and you're it's capturing you, you feel that. And. Yeah. And and stuff and sometimes you know like the bigger theater sometimes depending on your seats sometimes you don't you f- see as well yeah you don't see as well but yeah. it was so great to see all the actors and notice little things for example like if you look in the background the um, I don't know what they're called but the extras like mm-hmm. the party goers mm-hmm. they're not in the movie as much mm-hmm. but in the show they have all these people in they the background use, use them well yeah, yeah they yeah. use them so well mm-hmm. and I know one of them personally mm-hmm. and I said you know I like the fact that you just kept going he's like. Well, yeah, I have. Everybody has a backstory about their character. Exactly. You can't just say, well, "I'm just, I'm just standing. I'm just a body." And the other thing I loved is there were so many different body types and different shades. Everybody was different. Oh, yes. Lots of uh, different heights and weights and looks. And I, th- I love that. Yeah. And I think what I love about this cast was that it was very diverse. 
And yes. and it felt like they got the best. And, and genuinely feels like they got the best people for the job because mm-hmm. every time I see like, um, as problematic as it sounds, like a all white cast, and usually I'm like, you know, that person of color would have played that really well, mm-hmm. and it would have read differently. And sometimes they'll say, well, we auditioned everybody when you know they didn't. Yeah. In this case, it felt like they really did go out of their way to audition mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that the show has always been famous for in my opinion being fairly positive about different bodies like you said right. like how eddie is considered sexy in the show and he's a bigger guy mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. he's not super big but he's yeah. a bigger guy yeah. than yeah. rocky and mm-hmm. so i like the fact that they're both seen as like attractive and mm-hmm. and just the fact that the show doesn't try to be too like how do I put it this way? Just be shocking for the sake of being, being shocking. Right, right. Like it genuinely gets over itself. It's like, you yeah. know what? This person's in a dress. Move on. Right. You exactly. know. <laughs> we we got to whack your stuff. Move on. <laughs> and I just want to just say a, a moment and just talk about a, um, Robbie and Matthew McClain, his partner, who worked their buns off to get this place to re- renovate it and turn it into the, a the- proper theater and keep it going in the sets and the, and, the, and the overhead and the paying and the electricity and all. I mean, it's been such a huge job and I'm so happy that this show is such a smash and I'm hoping it it is the beginning of the whole season that's going to be like that because they, you know, they need support. They need people to buy tickets to keep the place going. I mean, it's yeah. such, and if you haven't been, they should check it out. It's the old Zeldas on what is that? East Palm Canyon. Palm Canyon. Yeah, yes. um, but and it's they've turned it into the, a proper theater. Of course, you still have the bar, so there's the bar on the side so you can get some wine, um, and they've got some regular seats, and they've got these sort of um, couch leather couches you can sit in the back. I mean, it's just a great space. So when if you haven't got tickets to Rocky Horror, they show whatever their next show is. I think it's Xanadu. 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 Yes. Check it out. They do some great stuff. No, and I and I will also say that their stuff is very faithful, but also very uh, their own. Like it's faithful to the. To the shows to that the they're story. doing, mm-hmm. but they feel wholly original in their own way. Yes, and yes. so I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Xanadu mm-hmm. and Hedwig because yeah. I know that's the other show. I saw that in um, San Diego. Uh, my uh, Eric and I went to visit some friends a, f- a few years back. We saw that in a big theater. I don't remember the name of the theater, but it was, it was an interesting show. Very interesting show. <laughs> it's almost. It's. It, I think this has been a season where they're going to have a lot of interesting shows. Yeah. They they push the envelope definitely and. I got to say, though, it has really been a journey for the Desert Rose Playhouse ah, to go from one huge. location to the other. So this is kind of like at the end of the movie when everybody's putting on the show. And sure, things are still not great outside, but, mm-hmm. you know, at least the show can move on and yeah. be able to uh, persevere. And just in case anybody's curious, the show, if there are still tickets or for the next show, they are doing vaccine mandates and they are very yes. consistent and yes, very strong about them. I'm glad you brought that up because I just want to mention that right now. C- kudos, congratulations to the city of Palm Springs and the city of Cathedral City. And I don't know if other cities are going to do it hopefully soon um, for for I don't I don't know if all restaurants but a lot of but certainly theater venues and a lot of clubs they are checking vaccination cards and I think that's great I mean you know you're keeping not only you're keeping the audience safe you're keeping the performers safe you, performers don't deserve to get up there and sing their heart out and end up getting COVID because there are all these unvaccinated people sitting in the audience that's and you know what and I know we're not going to get into a big political thing I'll just say one thing if you don't want to get a vaccine that's fine don't go to that theater. Oh, yeah. No one's forcing you to do a damn thing. Just don't yeah. go to that theater. Oh, yeah. And also, it's one of those things where you don't give your money to where, you know, b- get, uh, 
vote with your money exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. so you know if you if you are not vaccinated which is your choice you know mm-hmm. definitely but um, it, you want to go to a show you know there's plenty of shows in like Grand Mirage or go outside show. one outside or whatever outside. yeah, yeah. And, there's but, places to go but I will say though like it actually is pretty curious that the performing arts you know I, I'm it's surprising that the performing arts, you know, we're we're seen as like you know shallow people, but we're the ones that are actually like trying and to get just people. Not most of the time, that's not true. At no, all, definitely but. not. And they're the ones who really want to get people vaccinated, and they want to keep their audiences safe, because you know, at the end of the day, you just can't perform to a dead theater you know exactly well and that's the thing it's like it's a win-win look everybody wants everything open you want everybody to come out you want a big crowd you want, so get everybody vaccinated and then you can do that i mean it's simple exactly and you know what there's just uh, there's just so much so much that we have to catch up on that like we're running you know out of time in this segment but like it th- i think this summer has been a very good summer for the performing arts so far and for catching up on television because you have some tv shows that you have to catch yes i gotta tell you all the stuff that i've seen (laughs) since we talked last um and we're gonna have some great guests a little later on but i'm just so excited welcome back everybody so this is the desert scene on radio 111 and um here with i'm bonnie g and brian mendoza so we'll we'll be back in a little bit with more and so happy to be back Desert Scene on Radio 111. Cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza. And we're back on the desert scene. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I'm sure, I think Brian's proud of me because for the longest <laughs> time I hadn't seen any of this stuff on HB. A friend of mine has HBO Plus and all that. And I went uh, on our break, I went to Kansas City to visit my sister and got to watch all of um, the fabulous Mrs. Maisel, which was phenomenal loved it all of it and then my other friend i, I watched um all of mayor of east ham east ham right with um kate, kate winslet, winslet yeah. amazing amazing acting i've seen several segments of hacks now with gene smart and i also saw uh the kaminsky method i think i think all of it uh, with michael douglas and so just great stuff so i'm gonna have to break down and get HBO. <laughs> but anyway i thought it was all, all wonderful i mean the fabulous mrs mazel i just it, the way they did it with the music and the time frame and the and the, just and the stories the acting's really good and, and just, also the jokes are actually genuinely funny yeah, like yeah. that because it, it's a it's a show about this woman who goes from being a stay-at-home wife in the 50s in the 50s to mm-hmm. being a Comedian. comedian stand up yeah and i think what i love about it is just it's it's just so stylish yeah it's so it has such flavor to yes, it and yes. i love it and and what's and what's and it's really hard to watch especially if you are a, i'm not a stand-up performer when she's bombing when she's doing badly in the club you just feel so bad for her it's like oh you know but she's wonderful and she i don't remember the woman's name who plays mrs Mays, but she's R- rachel uh Brosnahan, yeah. Rachel Brosnahan, wonderful. I, I think her husband's cute. The guy that plays her husband, I think he's adorable. 
whatever his name is. Oh, like Michael uh, Michael Zigan, yeah. Okay. And you know who's actually like a standout on the show is Alex Bornstein as like her manager oh, slash friend. She, she is amazing. I love her. She just killed. I mean, I can't imagine anyone else doing that part. What amazing casting. She's perfect. And I will say, though, that that show had won a lot of Emmys in the past for like best outstanding comedy series, outstanding comedy uh, supporting actress, mm -hmm. uh, outstanding lead actress in its first season and its second season. I must say, though. I was impressed. You know, I was really impressed. Are they going to do more? Are they going to do another season? Oh, I yeah. Hope. The show was renewed. It, it did a third season, of course. Yeah. Season four was renewed the same day that season three was renewed. Oh. So, so how soon are we going to see it? Something now? I think that, um, you know, the sad thing about, you know, of course, we have to bring it up. The pandemic is that the show's production got delayed further. So mm. I predict either between 2021 or 2022, I, which I hope so, so later this year, maybe, but more mm. likely next year. So I'm mm. hoping yeah. maybe on our next break. you'll yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, who's having a hot couple of years is Jean Smart, because not only does she play Kate Winslet's mother and mayor of East Ham and Fabus there, but she is in Hacks and she just won an Emmy. Uh, what did she win for that she just the other day? Uh, she, I think she won for Hacks. Hat for Hacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very funny. Just a riot, yeah. And what made Jean Smart's win pretty important is that she has won a, a Emmy in every major category. So, like, she's won a Lead Actress Emmy. She's won a Supporting, supporting Actress mm -hmm. Emmy. And I think she's won Guest Actress. So she's one of the very few actresses who are able to do that. She mm -hmm. won for Hacks, and... She, in general, is such a great actress. I've seen her on stuff like Watchmen. So she's able to be really dramatic, very versatile, very very versatile, versatile yeah. actress. And Debbie Allen was um, honored, yeah. honored. What did you think about the Emmys in general? This was a year where I felt that the Emmys were certainly better than the Oscars because last mm -hmm. year the Oscars were just disastrous yeah. Yeah. a little bit. But I think in this case, like, I did think that they had some good guests but I also feel like there were times where the, I think my issue this year was more or less who won versus who didn't win mm -hmm. because I did feel that like shows like Pose mm -hmm. and actresses like MJ Rodriguez who did Pose, which is on FX mm -hmm. cable, um, that they certainly deserved the win mm -hmm. as opposed to like Olivia Coleman, who I'm sure she would tell you she didn't deserve to win for the crown this year. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a lot of politics still. Like, oh, it's her last season on The Crown, so, so we let's give it to give her. It yeah. to her. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind of like, but then this actress, MJ Rodriguez, posed this is the final season, so they could have given it to her. But I understand the politics of it. I don't mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. But overall, I, I did feel that sometimes, like, some of the people who won when they were giving speeches, with some exceptions, major exceptions, like Michaela Cole for I May Destroy You, wonderful speech of our writers. This one man, I forgot who it was, but he won for like the Queen's Gambit and he kept telling the 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 music to stop, to shut up, you know? Yeah. That was a common thing is that everyone yeah. kept telling the music yeah. to shut up. First of all, I don't know why the music went the, the music would show up literally 20 seconds into a speech yeah, and I'm like, can give them some time like yeah. a minute yeah, you know yeah. and I feel like the guy when he shut them up I was like oh he's gonna have something really great to say and, and he then, didn't no he yeah. just kind of <laughs> rambled I said dude you could have just finished this yeah. speech five minutes ago yeah. see I'm a I'm a huge one for it you know I've of course I'm a local the desert I mean I've won a few desert theater awards so I occasionally gotten to give a speech I am a huge fanatic about 
keep it short and sweet. Don't go on and on and on. Nobody wants to hear that. You know what? Be classy. Thank you so much. And you want to thank your producer and the cast. I know that's a great honor. And get off. You know? Yeah. And I understand that in some cases like Hollywood, they have this they sort of have to play a politics game of like, oh, I got to thank this producer. But you know what? It's actually backfired because in the past, like, let's just say a famous producer with the initials HW that he got thanked a lot in the 90s. And now it's kind of backfired because it turns out that maybe you shouldn't be thinking that because it was considered the political, the thing politically, yeah. like the politically right thing to do. Not correct yeah. because obviously yeah. not him, but like it was advantageous to thank him. Now it doesn't age well. Yeah. And you know, it's people appreciate when you just short and sweet and get off. Okay, we're going to co- have a guest when we come back. We're going to have Yvette Edens talking about Paint El Paseo Pink, a big, wonderful event coming up in just a bit on the desert scene. Bonnie and Brian continue with the desert scene on Radio 111. Here they are. And we're back on the desert scene on Radio 111. And I'm so excited that we're now joined by our first guest on our new show. Um, She's the uh, Desert Cancer Foundation Executive Director, Yvette Edens. And she's talking about a great event, Paint El Paseo Pink. Hi, Yvette. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Well, this is exciting. You're gonna. It's it's going to be live in person this year, correct? Yes. We are very excited to resume an in-person walk this year. The city has been very supportive, and our participants have come in. We've already got 50-plus teams. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so tell, for people who may not be aware of it, uh, I don't know how you could not be aware of it because this is the 15th year, t- t- tell people a little bit about what the, what the event is and what it's for. Yes, so 15th annual Paint El Paseo Pink is a walk, um, Saturday, October 9th, 8 a.m. start, and it is a walk to, it takes place in October because of breast cancer awareness, so it's a walk to raise awareness and to celebrate our survivors and support the individuals in treatment now. Remember the the ones that we've lost um, to breast cancer, and really it's also a very important Desert Cancer Foundation fundraiser. Uh, we raise funds for all cancer care. So this takes place in October, and there's a whole awareness aspect to breast cancer, but Desert Cancer Foundation does pay for all cancer care, and the proceeds will go to help local individuals who need financial assistance with their cancer care. That's great. And and has it? would you say it's grown every year as far as the numbers of participants? It, uh, yeah, I think in 2019, of course, everyone now says pre, pre-pandemic, um, I think we had reached almost 2,000 participants, mm-hmm. and we are hopeful to get 1,800 this year. Um, we're highly recommending masks, although it's yeah. an outdoor event. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's something that really is a community event. It's well-known, it's well-respected and loved, and, you know, for obvious reasons. We are celebrating so many individuals, and we are helping to support a wonderful organization here that helps so many residents who need uh, care for for something very vital, you know, to pay for cancer care. Absolutely. And just for some specifics, so it's about an approximately two-mile uh, round-trip walk. It be, uh, begins and ends at the Gardens on El Paseo. It's going to be led by the iconic pink 1957 Ford Thunderbird. Now, who, who, d- d- who does that belong to? 
Um, you know? Her name is Sandy. I don't know that I think uh-huh. I forgot her last name, mm-hmm. but she is wonderful and just comes out and supports the event every year. And yes, so we have um, a grand marshal this year that we will be presenting at the ceremonies just before the event, Dr. Eide from Desert Regional Medical Center. And um, we have uh, the pink tea bird with Talia Hayden that will lead the walkers. And uh, we're going to paint Al Paseo pink. And we hope that people do go online and register and join us for that day. It's going to be really, really fun. It's a very fun, high-energy event. Yeah, I've, I've participated in a couple of years. It was really fun. So El Paseo is going to be closed to vehicles from Portola to Highway 74, beginning at 7 a.m. that day until 10.30 a.m. And by the way, you can bring your dogs. A lot of people bring their dogs on leashes, yes, and kids. Absolutely, yes. Kids and dogs, welcome. Uh, the merchants on El Paseo are very supportive. We have our presenting sponsors, Eisenhower, Lucy Kirchie Cancer Center, which is one of our Cancer Center partners, um, and many, many other supporters just come in. So we'll have our sponsor booths and do a little welcome ceremony. And then, yeah, off we go for a two-mile walk. It's not a race. It's not a run. It's not timed in any way. It's mm-hmm. just um, local community people just really celebrating one another and supporting a great cause. And you're luck. I mean, luckily in the desert, October is usually beautiful. So you've, you've always had good weather, haven't you, for this? Yes, yes, it is good weather. We certainly, uh, it works out that way that October starts to cool off and it's early mm-hmm. enough in the morning yeah. that, um, that, you know, it's comfortable. And of course, we say wear comfortable clothing and hat and sunscreen. You know, you're walking, you're walking a two right, mile. Right, right. So, and we have a special T-shirt for this year. So we hope the participants um, register and get that fun commemorative T-shirt for this year's walk as well. And so pre-registration is thirty-five dollars. And if they want, if people want to participate, they can go to. Uh, let's see, is it is this a PEPP at at Desert Cancer? No, Fund? no. We we abbreviate it to that, but it's paintalpaseopink.org. Okay. You can also go through our website, DesertCancerFoundation.org, of course, and find the, the, you know, the visual and click on it. But it's easier to just go directly to the event site, which is PaintAlpaseoPink.org. The T-shirt is $35 pre-registration. We want to encourage people to pre-register and pick up their T-shirt the week prior. We're going to have a little storefront set up at the gardens because, you know, for COVID, we don't want too many um, crowds gathering. Crowd, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm looking uh, just and well, I have to take a moment and, and uh, talk about because I knew her not really well, but I knew her because I was involved in some groups, media mavens, etc. But Patty Daly Caruso, I know that is one of the people that people remember and think about because she was very instrumental in this walk for quite a while. Was she not? I think she was, yeah, and like in the early onset. Yeah. She, um, many people sort of came together to start it, and it has grown for 15 years, and we're just grateful. We're grateful to so many people. Um, unfortunately, these things start with someone who is um, a cancer survivor or had, had to go through cancer, but it's absolutely wonderful how the community comes together, and she was a wonderful icon with this event. Absolutely. So the Desert Cancer Foundation, we'll talk about that a little bit, was founded in 1994 by Dr. Sebastian George. I remember him and Art and Corey. Is it Teichner? Teichner? Teichner, Te- yeah. yeah. Um, and so tell me about, 
what's I don't know how much you're involved in in the research or technical aspect of things, but have things? I mean, it seems to me that every year they there's maybe discover a little bit more and and care and prevention and all that kind of stuff moves forward a little bit as far as uh, cancer, breast cancer in particular. Can you speak to that at all? You know, I'm not a medical professional. We only pay for the cancer care, but I can tell you that our two cancer partners are have top facilities and they provide excellent care and we see a lot of survivors. We see a lot of people who make it through, some people who don't think they are. They're told they have two weeks. Um, make it through. And what we do is take uh, take away that financial burden um, for them to focus on their healing and the social workers at our cancer centers and the staff and the oncologists are absolutely wonderful. Our committees are all social workers and oncologists from the two local cancer centers. And it, it's, it's just a support system all, all the way around. And I can tell you that um, treatment has certainly come a long way. I can't give specifics. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a doctor, but right. it has come a long way. There are chemo pills that people take and maintain uh, really good health for many, many years. And there's just so many options today. And um, uh, so, how did you how did you get involved originally? How, how long have you been the uh, executive director? I have been here uh, just for a year. I joined last year just before Paint Help Us Pink. So, uh, huge thank you to my committee members that. Um, planned it all because I think our former executive director had already left two months prior um, and I kind of jumped in and I was like oh wow they they did all this this year of course I was involved a little bit more but it's a lot of effort on a lot of board members and committee members and partners that come together Um, I you know I just heard of the opportunity and uh, applied for this 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 job it's it's not even a job it's it's starting to feel like a a calling you know it's Mm -hmm. amazing to do this kind of work. It's very humbling to see who we serve. Um, And I'm grateful that I got it during a pandemic. Uh, Desert Cancer Foundation did not cease our services. There was a little bit of a dip. People didn't go in for screening. So there wasn't as many complications. Mm -hmm. But then after I I came in and things started to open up, we saw an increase because now they did go in. And unfortunately, the stages of cancer were more advanced. Mm, um, yeah. it, you know, it doesn't take a break. Cancer does not go away. We've had COVID and it's very serious, but people need, need to be mindful that this is also a disease that um, takes its toll on many and the support is hugely important. We rely on that community support. So Absolutely. Much. And talk t- just for, I know you mentioned this, but is, the, is, it un, is it unusual for a local charity for all money that's raised to stay in that local community? That's a wonderful thing that what, that is true of Desert Cancer Foundation. Is that an unusual thing? Um, you know, some of the national organizations, I think there's like a franchise type fee or whatever. I can't speak to them very much, but with mm-hmm. Desert Cancer Foundation, yes. Every dollar raised stays here. Um, we serve the Nine Valley cities and extend up into Yucca Valley and Coachella and Thermal. Like a, we do extend a little bit out of our nine cities, mm-hmm. but it is certainly local, and the um, patients receiving care are receiving local care with our partners here. So, yeah, the money raised here stays here, and I think that's important to a lot of our donors. Absolutely. And that was yeah, it was one of the visions of Dr. Sebastian George because mm-hmm. he just saw he saw a need. He sort of didn't feel like he could get anywhere with other um, national organizations and started his own. And here mm-hmm. we are, 25 years later. Is this? Would you say that is this the biggest event that the um, Desert Cancer Foundation puts on each year here in the Valley? 
Yeah, Paint El Paseo Pink is our largest event. Um, we have a wine dinner that's also a nice, smaller-scale event, but we, um, you know, we, we have supporters for that, too. The other large event is the Dr. George Carr Show that the Palm Springs Cruising Association puts on for us, which is absolutely wonderful. It's, um, it's, it's larger than Paint El Paseo Pink and brings in that level of, uh, of donations. So we are lucky to have uh, that kind of support. We're lucky to have this event that people love and then additional support from the community. And the, the car show is usually, is that in the spring, I think, normally? February, yeah. February. Unfortunately, we had to cancel last year right, or right. postpone. We called it postpone because it's going to be their 18th annual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on for February 12th of this year at the uh, Indian Wells Tennis Gardens, and that's going to be another big one as well. Excellent. All right. Well, look, if you haven't ever participated in this, it's really a fun, it's really a fun event. It's a real sense of community. Again, it's the 15th annual Paint El Paseo Pink uh, Walk. Uh, it takes place October 9th, 8 a.m. Uh, so you want to pre-register. And again, you go to paintalpaseopink.org, correct? And you can pre-register and get your t-shirt? Yes. Yes, you'll get your T-shirt. We will be distributing them the week prior. If you go to that page and scroll down, we kind of have instructions where to go, what to do the few days prior to the event. And we'll set you up. We um, love this event. The community loves this event. The city is wonderful. Our partners. So, yeah, please join us. PaintAlpaseoPink.org. And, again, where you want our comfortable shoes, you're going to be walking for like two miles. You can bring your, your dogs on a leash and your kids, um, mm-hmm. uh, bring your sunscreen and your hat. And, and, and it's a really great. And I think the vendors love it, too, because it brings them an extra business, right? It, you know, they show their support. Nobody's really selling anything, but mm-hmm. they are there to support the organization. And, of course, they give out informative uh, information to to the to the participants. Mm-hmm. They're certainly there to answer questions. But our partners, uh, a lot of them are um, continuous supporting partners, and you know they kind of join year after year, and it's just it, it's wonderful. This event really is full of energy, full of support, full of just amazing, you know, celebrating one another in the community. Well, thank you so much. Desert Cancer Foundation Executive Director Yvette Edens. And this is such a wonderful event. And again, if you've never participated, you really should think about it. It's really fun to to see everybody walking down El Paseo. Thank you so much for all your great work. It's a wonderful event. And uh, um, I hope you have a huge turnout this year. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay, you too. All right, we'll be back with more on the desert scene in just a bit. musical theater to literature and all the other stuff we enjoy in between making desert life so vibrant you're listening to bonnie g and brian mendoza and the desert scene on radio 111 here's bonnie and brian 
And we're back on the desert scene on Radio 111. So, Brian, what else? What else? A lot of stuff going on in entertainment. Yeah? Oh, yes. Certainly there's been a lot of stuff going on. But I would say that, you know, I, I actually found out that Tiger King is going to get a second season. Really? And, you know, for everyone who doesn't remember, because it happened during the beginning of last year, the Tiger King was this miniseries um, true crime documentary that was big on Netflix about a very scandalous like kind of bizarre yeah. bizarre tiger community so tiger keeping community we had villains we yeah, had somebody went missing and they thought it, they fed him to the tigers or yeah. whatever I mean, oh yeah. yeah so like just to like to quickly get through like the the main parts of the story was um so you got Joe Exotic, this guy who really wanted to be like Steve Irwin, except mm-hmm. no charisma. And not much class, I don't think. <laughs> not either, much class. Yeah. <laughs> and he um, tried really hard to be famous and all that. And so him, he had a rivalry with a woman named Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin is a woman who had a wildlife sanctuary who, you know, both of them basically were tooth and nail, nail to each other because of the fact that they and big ha- feud com- competing basically competing because one of them is a sanctuary where they have to keep those tigers there because unfortunately you can't put them in the wild mm-hmm. and the other one um joe exotic he just wanted them as like zoo animals yeah, basically yeah. and he sold them and the show itself is about how he tried to get her killed or at least allegedly because he's in jail he's in jail right now <laughs> prison yeah. for that uh, yeah, yeah. and there's and that part about the man going missing and that it relates to Carol Baskin's ex-husband who was this r- wealthy man. And he's the one that went, went missing. Right? Went missing yeah. and they think that she fed him to the tigers, <laughs> and then she became uh, worse. And then she, <laughs> don't you hate when that happens? I hate when that happens. <laughs> don't you hate that? And then like Carol Baskin went on Dancing with the Stars later on, and that was way past the show. And then now Kate McKinnon's gonna do a movie about it, which you know. I, I get it. I can see it. But Tiger King is getting a second season. And Netflix is doing a... Um, I think they're kind of doing their own version of Comic-Con where they're doing, like, announcements. And one of the announcements is Tiger King 2. And they're going to have it be sort of like after Tiger King. How are the developments? What happened after everything went a certain way? You know, I, have to, there's, I think there's a segment of the population, Brian, who's saying... Who cares? <laughs> I hate to say it, but no, I, I mean I get it. Yeah. But like it was number one on Netflix, but I think popular, yeah. But I think one you're you actually hit the mark on something because um one of the they were trying to make a bunch of Tiger King movies. Like a lot of studios were trying to make their own Tiger King movie, miniseries. One of them actually canceled because they realized that the Tiger King became mostly popular because people were at home, mostly indoors mm-hmm. during the pandemic. So they didn't really watch anything but Tiger King yeah. and sort of became like a fascination because it's like, at least we're not like those people. Yeah, yeah. And and people were really excited for it at the time, mm-hmm. but it became more and more clear that maybe it's not great television. Because yeah. at first we all thought, oh, this is great documentary filmmaking but then it just became sleazy it became sleazy because you realize that it's the people and that they're the people were so weird Mm -hmm. that the filmmaker had to just put a camera on them and that's it and i don't think it was necessarily great filmmaking yeah Yeah. especially considering that carol baskin also funny enough carol baskin actually declined the second season appearance because she was asked what a shock 
because she said, you know, you made me look like a murderer, and oh. so I am not going to do your show. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. And, well, you know what? To move away from Tiger King, there was one piece of news that I was really excited about during our break that unfortunately I didn't, we wouldn't get to talk about, but What's a- that? ABBA came back. Ooh. So ABBA, the Swedish... The real ABBA. The real ABBA, yes. Okay. And they're back. They're going to get a new CD out called Voyager. They put out new songs, so... They got to all be in their 60s or 70s, don't they? Oh, yeah. They're all in their 70s at this point. 70s, okay. And ABBA is going to do a hologram concert. So it's going to be a concert where they show projections of themselves as young people with CGI and computers, Uh and they're going to have it sort of projected. So if you want to pay about $100 to see ABBA projections, they'll be there. But they're going to be there live too? I think they'll be there like... to say hello and but, like, but not actually performing. I th- I think if anything they'll perform, but they'll ha- but they'll have the holograms mm-hmm. projected. You know, well, it's an interesting concept and nostalgia. Everyone wants to go back and remember those days. So I, I think that's what they were saying that like they wanted people to remember ABBA for what it was, mm-hmm. not for what they are now. Which is actually I don't know if I agree with that because I think that most people most. You know, artists like Paul McCartney and stuff like that, they they handle age just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anyone really cares how old you yeah, are if you're yeah. a great singer and yeah. all that. Yeah. But I listen to the new songs. You might, I, I'm. This is the nicest way I can put it, but they do hear. It does sound like something straight from the '70s, and I think that's great because ABBA's very '70s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so if it came from the '70s, it sounds like it did. Okay. Okay. So I, I think it's. I, I think it sounds great. To be honest with you. All right. Well, okay. I, you know, I liked, I always liked ABBA. I liked their harmonies. I'm not going to pay $100 to go see that, <laughs> but I liked ABBA. So. Oh, yeah. That's what I think that's what most people were saying to me. Like, oh, we like ABBA. But yeah. for a while, people used to dislike ABBA, but now it's like, I think ABBA Mania. You know, back. one of my favorite songs I ever did was Fernando. Oh, yes. That Something one's in the really air that good. night. I always loved that. I just thought it was really well, musically, it was a really cool song. So. Yeah, and of course, Dancing Queen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. We're going to be back with much more second hour of The Desert Scene on Radio 111. I'm Bonnie G with Brian Mendoza. We'll be right back. From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater. Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And we are back on The Desert Scene on Radio 111, our premier show with a new new name and new uh, branding. We're very excited, and we're excited to welcome Scott Coulter. Uh, amazing guy. His resume is, is just amazing. And he is directing this year's um, version of Michael Childers' One Night Only. Every year they have this big show at the McCallum. It's fabulous. This year the theme is Back to the 70s, and Scott Coulter is the director. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. How are you? I'm uh, great. I'm so th- so glad that you could join us today. So, Me too. Tell us about, there's so much to talk about. So first of all, is this your first time directing this particular show? Uh, it's my first time directing this particular show, but not my first time being a part of it. Okay. First of all, let me say congratulations to you on the new show and the new name and everything and the premiere episode. How exciting is that? Yeah, it's, and, it's, and you're one of our yeah. guests. On, yeah, we're really well, excited. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. 
So I, 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 I think this is my fourth year as a part of the Michael Childers One Night Only. Uh, the incredible performer Jason Graw brought me on several years ago when he was directing. So mm-hmm. I did a tribute to Jerry Herman. We did a Rogers Hammerstein and Hart night. We did a Best of Broadway night. But this is my first year directing, and we are sort of, there's a little bit of Broadway tributed in the show, but the majority of it is just those great classic pop songs from the 70s. And what's amazing to me to think about is uh, these songs are 50 years old. Wow. I mean, it's amazing to think about the 1970s being 50 years ago, but that is what they were. And they, these songs still sound as fresh and as exciting as they were the day they were written, which is a real testament not just to the songwriters, but to the incredible performers that we have lined up to present them. So tell, now, I, I mean, I've, I've asked Michael this many years. I've directed, excuse me, interviewed him many times. How do you come up with who you want in the show each year? You know, it's, it's the great thing about this uh, one night only event is it's a real family. And I think many performers have, some of them have appear, appeared in almost every event since its inception. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michael does like to shake it up every year and, yeah. and bring different people in and expand the family. And because this one is less Broadway based in past years, mm-hmm. he's reached out to a lot of pop stars from the seventies. Mm-hmm. So for example, Debbie Boone is yes. going to be there to sing you light at my life, yeah. which is, you know, was the number one song of the decade. Yeah. Rita Payne is going to be there to sing her hit Band of Gold. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give all the secrets away. Yeah. But this year, <clears throat> it's peopled with people who uh, have a real connection to the time period and the material. And right. the whole thing, the whole night is going to be kicked off with a special performance by Lily Tomlin. I mean, oh. how... Thrilling is that? That's great. That's amazing. Uh, I know. So, yeah. is it is it uh, challenging? You got a lot of different performers. Uh, is to kind of keep it all together and keep uh, egos in check and keep it all moving smoothly. Has that been challenging? You know what? The good news is it hasn't been challenging. Okay. Um, the whole the whole event is for the Barbara Sinatra Children's Center. Right. So everyone involved knows that it's a benefit and it's mm-hmm. for an incredibly worthy cause. Mm-hmm. And Michael is such an icon there in Palm Springs and Hollywood. You know, the world's over for the work he's done, yes. uh, both as a photographer and as a humanitarian. So people actually write in. And he's already getting requests from people this year to participate in next, next year's year. show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So because it's such a hot ticket and such a, a beautifully realized event, everyone wants to be a part of it. So there are no egos, because yeah. if there are egos, there is someone to replace you exactly. in line exactly. waiting, waiting to step in. Yeah. And so everyone, everyone gives of their time, which I think is a really important thing to note. None of these, uh, you know, world superstars, these A-list entertainers, no one gets paid hey. to be there. Mm-hmm. They're, all, they're all volunteering their time for this uh, cause. So that sort of checks the egos just, you know, right off uh, right off the bat. Yeah. And so a uh, musical direction by Todd Schroeder. So did you right. so did, did th- you you and Michael and Todd kind of sit down and figure out uh, did you th- did you think about the songs you wanted first or performers you wanted first or kind of a mix? Well, it's kind of a mix because I know Michael had some people that had already been asked mm-hmm. prior to uh, the theme because like I said people ask every year to be involved and so he had you know, included some people on this show before it even had a theme. But then we sit down and we look at who whose name is on the cast list so far and what songs really need to be represented by that decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really, it was the last decade where we all as a country listened to the same music. Yeah. We all had the same radio stations. There was no MTV yet. Mm-hmm. 
so the the radio stations played you know pop stuff like Dolly Parton and Willie Nelson and Charlie Pride, but they also played disco like Gloria Gaynor and Donna Summer. So the the musical landscape of the seventies was so vast. Yes, that we had we wanted to sort of represent everything. Mm-hmm. So just about every genre is represented. And then it was just about finding the right person to do the right song, which I, I think we have nailed that this year. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a real party in the desert. Yeah. That's what we're calling it. And I think that's truth in advertising. Absolutely. And I, I've seen it a couple of years. I just said real quick, I want to read the list. Brent Barrett, Clea Blackhurst, Debbie Boone, of course, uh-huh. Carol J. Is it Buford? Uh- it's Buffered. Buffered, okay. Buffered. David Burnham and Hampton Calloway and Liz Calloway, who are, uh, uh, you know, icons in, everywhere, but in the desert right. and also. Yourself, Laura Dickinson, right. Julie Garnier, Jason Gras, Sam, Sam Harris, Aaron Lazar, Harris. Sky LaFontaine, Amanda McBroom, Ken Page, Jeffrey Scott Parsons, Frida Payne, Joan Ryan, Gary Shaw, Jake Simpson, Kevin Spertus, am I pronouncing that correctly? Spiritus. Spiritus, okay. yes. And Spiritus. Nita Whitaker, Karen Ziemba, and of course, Lily Tomlin. So I'm amazing lineup it's an amazing cast i will a couple of changes sam has a commitment that may prevent him from being there he's trying to work that out and we have added uh so that we have as much star power as possible uh Palm Springs' own Lucy Arnaz is going to close the show oh, this year. So excellent. She is a one-night-only staple, and she yeah. was able to work it out to be there with us this year, so she's been added to the cast as well. That's great. I want to talk about you for just a second, because I'm looking at your credits. Oh, my goodness. One of New York's most honored vocalists, uh, five Mac Awards, Manhattan Association of Cabaret and Clubs, all kinds of awards. Um, let's see, you've been at the 54 Below, the Oak Room at the Algonquin, Feinstein's at the Regency, and I wanted to read this one thing. I won the two 2003 Mac Award for Outstanding Recording and was chosen as the best recording of the year by Theater Mania and Cabaret Scenes Magazine. And this quote just kills me. Pronounced it quite simply the best these ears have ever heard. Wow. Isn't that, that nice? <laughs> that's quite a compliment. My goodness that gracious. Is, that was a very nice review. So tell us a little bit about, about um, uh, your background. Did you start singing as a kid? or Did you always want to do this? I did. I started singing as a kid and, um, uh, you know, my parents were always very supportive and, uh, you know, let me do whatever I wanted and, and always, you know, paid for the lessons and drove to the practices and mm-hmm. were really just the best parents you could ask for. Um, and when I went to school for musical theater and when I moved to New York, I, you know, I spent the first couple of years auditioning and I worked, but I, I got really tired of the auditioning grind and waiting for someone to like, you know, give you a chance. And right. so I decided early on that I was going to stop waiting for someone to give me a chance and make my own chances, uh-huh. which is what led to this. So I started a concert production company called Spot on Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we produce concerts for symphony orchestras and performing arts centers around the world. That's great. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's our, our main thrust now. And that really beautiful quote that you wrote about the, my first CD, mm-hmm. it's so funny. It's my only CD. Wow. I was like, I need to do another one. It's been almost 20 years, but that was such a great, I mean, how do you top a how quote you, like that? I was ha- like, maybe I should just sit it out and let that one speak for itself. Exactly. I don't know how you top that. And um, <laughs> uh, also, I was looking at all the shows you've done. You did one called um, The Fella Sings Ella, which honors the life of Ella Fitzgerald. That's, that sounds like such fun. Yeah, that was really fun. We do a lot of stuff at uh, Artist Naples in Naples, Florida, which is a mm-hmm. beautiful performing arts center. And the woman that booked that series back at the time said to me when I, she, a very kind thing. She said, you know, you're like Ella Fitzgerald. You sing right in the center of the note. Mm-hmm. She said, you're like, you know, 
the male Ella Fitzgerald, which is not true, but it was a very nice comment. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what if we did a show called like, you know, the fella Fitzgerald or the fella sings Ella. Uh-huh. So she liked it and she booked it. I mean, I can't do that show now. It's not, it's not quite, um, politically correct anymore, but it was a really great show because Ella Fitzgerald's history is the history of the United States. Oh I yeah, mean, absolutely. What she did, what she did and what she went through. And my, my favorite part of her story is she got her start. She was actually living on the streets in New York at the time. And she got her starts auditioning for a contest at the Apollo. Uh-huh. And she entered, she entered as a dancer. dancer. I remember that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she got there, there were two dancers, a sister act on the bill. And she thought, well, I'll never be, so I'll just sing instead and she won and wow. that was the beginning so put your best foot forward that's sort of a great life motto absolutely absolutely and so um, so real quick I mean, we'll get back to the show in a second but what, so is there anything on your bucket list that you haven't done yet my gosh you've done so much in this business you know um, I, I've yet to like originate a role in a Broadway show and okay. I remember years ago a friend of mine Stephen Schwartz said ah do what you do. Just wait and let somebody write a show for you. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. So I'm still waiting for that. But I have to say, honestly, I've, I've, I've been very lucky. I've gotten to do almost everything I've ever wanted to do. I would like one of my, um, the concerts that we travel the world with, I would like one of them to be filmed uh, for either PBS or yeah, some sort of That would be great. Special. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What What is your, uh, if you had to go, obviously these days you, you created your own thing so you're not really auditioning much anymore but if, you, if you're if you at a, a club or something and somebody says, Scott, get up and sing something, what is what are one or two of your go-to songs? I'm a singer too. Everybody has a go sort of go-to song. Oh, well, what's your go-to song? Uh, well, it depends on if it's upbeat or not. I do a lot of jazz stuff so I do Ladies of Tramp a lot and uh, Route perfect. 66 and then I do oh, um, Teach Me Tonight. I love doing Teach Me Tonight. But Oh, yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. Well, I want to hear you. I... <laughs> I sort of go the opposite way. I tend to like the ballads. Mm-hmm. I need to incorporate more tempos in my stuff. And I like to do different spins on songs. So yeah. I like to do songs that people think they never want to hear again and make them hear them in a new way. So my number one go-to song probably is Tomorrow from Annie, which I know sounds crazy. But you but do I it your own it way? A couple of years ago. I did it my own way, and yeah. I did it actually for one night only a couple of years ago. And it, it, it just... It's it's a really it's an it's a great song. It has such a great message. Yes, and especially in the last couple oh, of years, I, absolutely. I mean, any, yeah, any song of hope. And my other go-to song actually is you're not going to believe it, but it's the sound of music. Wow, which is done in a really sparse, uh, 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 scaled-down version. Yeah, and, and, and I've always thought of that song more as like a prayer than yeah. a song, and that's the way we present it, and it works. Scott, my, my co-host Brian wants to ask you something real quick. No, you know, typically, like, because I was inspired by your question of go-to songs, Was there is there one song that you haven't done that you're afraid to do? Like a song that is so challenging that you're nervous to do it, and would you ever do it? I'm curious. Huh. Now, Brian, <laughs> you're posing a challenge. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. You know what's... I'm not afraid to do it, but I've never done it, is Bring Him Home. Oh, my God, what a great song. People always, yeah, I, I, uh. and, and, and after all, every concert, someone comes up to me and says, oh, I want to hear you sing Bring Him Home. And that's the one I was like, oh. That's I'm a fabulous sure tune. That. Like, it's a, it's a great tune, but I've not done it, and that's one that, um, I'm not afraid to do it, but it, I, I, it, it would need a little bit of convincing to get me to do it. Okay, real quick, that's Scott. A great, that's a great question, Brian. 
Uh, real quick, tickets, uh, they go to www.mccallumtheater.com or call the box office, That's I believe, correct. 760-340-2787, I believe. That's correct. That's All right. Correct. And it's almost sold out. So hurry up. Yeah, no, it's coming up November 10th, but it's almost sold out. Michael Childers, One Night Only, Back to the 70s, directed by Scott Coulter. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Really a pleasure to thank talk you. to you. All right. Have a great show. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. All right. We'll be, we'll be back with more on the desert scene in just a bit. likes to read she likes to sing and act they both love the coachella valley and they love talking about the desert scene with you on radio 111 here's bonnie g and brian mendoza and we're back on the desert scene uh radio 111 our debut show so what else is going on in the world the entertainment world brian well i was gonna say did you want to talk about the uh what were you were saying earlier yeah i did the, the other evening i was really thrilled and honored to um be one of the singers at the open mic at oscars michael orland who is the musical director for american idol for years fabulous of course he's based in la and he comes in once a month now to oscars to do this open mic so you're gonna buy a ticket and sign up as a singer and you bring your music here keys or whatever and you get to do a song or two depending on how many people are there and it's fact it's great fun and it's fabulous some really talented people um but kind of digressing from this question we just asked scott i it's a little bit it just bothers me when i see people it's, it's usually really young people doing songs that are not appropriate for them age-wise and very often they're good singers and this happened at this open mic um, um michael Orland had a couple of his students voice students very talented um really talented good voices but i just think if you're 17 you're a little too young to be singing maybe this time mm-hmm. you know maybe this time i'll win lady lucky like you failed like you've had heartbreak she's 17 I just didn't think, I mean, she sang it well, but I just didn't think it was, and then there was a 10-year-old who did My Heart Will Go On, and she was very, had very good, My Heart Will Go On, you're talking about a love that's maybe died off, she's 10, so, I mean, there's so many great songs out there, and the other story I told you is there was an 8-year-old, usually go back in D.C. in a variety show, she was 8, very good, singing If I Could which is a song about a mother singing to her child. Why do people let these 10-year-olds sing songs that are completely (laughs) inappropriate for them? I don't get it. I think, too, for me personally, I feel like there's sort of like technical brilliance, but there's also emotional brilliance. Oh, sure. For example, if you have a child singing maybe this time, they might sing it so well and have fun with it, but it's also kind of one of those things where you forget that the show that it's from is Cabaret, and Cabaret has Nazis in it, and it's like... <laughs> and it's a dark, dark, and it's about pain and heartbreak and what's happened that you failed in the past. It's 17, you don't know what that's about. And I remember um, I remember I was watching a... Um, I was I, I seeing someone sing Cabaret, and they were pretty young, and I didn't know why I didn't connect with their version, even though their version was pretty mm-hmm. solid performance-wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... And this conversation made me realize it's because I don't think the song Cabaret is meant for someone that young. And, th- th- and think about it. There are thousands 
and thousands of songs to choose from. And you're right, it's connecting with the story and the lyric. It, for me, it's just as important as having a pretty instrument. You've got to have all of that. And if it's a song that you have couldn't possibly really have any knowledge about connection with, don't do it. And also, I think in, in some cases, it could be the opposite where someone who is older... Singing, Too old to be doing it. Yeah. Singing a song that maybe isn't really great. Like, for example, like... Um, I don't want to bash the Irvin Hansen too much on this show, <laughs> but I was watching the movie that came out, well, it came out yesterday and this weekend, and Ben Platt singing Waving Through a Window and world and Words Fail at at 28 is not exactly as impactful as mm -hmm. him singing it at 20, 21, mm -hmm. because for me, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I just think the show benefits from young people singing it because yeah. a lot of because the, the, the show is about this young boy who has anxiety and he hears about this guy who committed suicide and basically through a series of events it's much more complicated basically pretends to be this guy's best friend and he becomes like viral and he becomes famous mm -hmm. and he gets a lot of like respect and love and friends by pretending to be a dead guy's friend yeah and it's actually like really difficult to pull off because for me like Ben Platt at 28 does not pull off a kid who like has to a kid with anxiety who pretends to be a suicide victim's ex-best right, friend right. because now it's like creepy mm -hmm. versus a because when yeah. you're a teenager I can be like okay well you that's got what the angst and you the got the all angst that stuff yeah. and you, yeah. can, you don't know what you're doing mm -hmm. but if I see a 30 year old pretend to be a dead person's best friend then I'm like, like you, you need, need some help <laughs> you need to go to a doctor yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you, yeah. you're you're a villain yeah. I'm just uh, he's a villain now but I and, and for me it's like same with like I, I feel like it depends like in some cases I can tell when someone has such a nice life that when they sing something like I dreamed a dream mm -hmm. it sounds it doesn't ring true yeah yep. so in some cases I feel like a lot of times like you got to be very careful with the songs you pick because like while it's while you can be technically brilliant you still need to connect to that song and that makes a huge difference it's just such a huge difference I mean there were people you know for instance like I, I personally when she got as an adult I ne I didn't like Judy Garland's voice because they're like oh that's too much vibrato for me just like Edith Piaf but she sang her heart out she sang her guts out and that's what people really related to yeah. I think and I think it and someone might make the argument like oh well she sang over the rainbow in her adult years and people still love it and my first thing would be well the thing is though she originated that song and she's connected the most so with now that it's song. a different way to look at it yeah and I feel like maybe this time I guess a young person could play it off but the thing about it is that certain shows like Cabaret are very specific about mm -hmm. the songs. Mm -hmm. Like Cabaret, the song is very specific about Susan Bowles. Mm -hmm. Sally, Sally, Sally Bowles, my bad. Mm -hmm. Her specific life at the end of the story. And it's very hard to sing that song out of context with a young person singing well, it. Well, and also life is a cabaret, come taste the wine. I mean, it, that rings more true when you're an adult and you've lived a little bit. Or you've yeah. seen people die and right. you've seen people exactly like because that song is about basically her trying to like accept the fact that maybe one day she will die early mm -hmm. and young mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's not so live while you can yeah, yeah. basically yeah all right well now that we've solved the problems of the show business world <laughs> okay fine we'll be back actually we're going to be back with hope diamond in just a bit talking about a big show bunch of new stuff's coming up with her we'll be back on the desert scene in just a bit mm -hmm. 
Bonnie and Brian continue with the desert scene on Radio 111. Here they are. And we are back on the desert scene on Radio 111. We're hoping to talk to um, Hope Diamond in just a bit. She's got a big show coming up. Uh, we may have an incorrect contact number. We'll see if we can work that out. But let me just tell you about it real quick. Hope Diamond, she's fabulous. She's a fabulous jazz blues singer. If you haven't seen her, you should check it out. Uh, Smooth Jazz Jam, Wednesday, September 29th, 6 p.m. at Frankie's Italian Bakery and Supper Club. We love Frankie. He's our buddy. He has this great Italian restaurant, and he's made turned this back room into a jazz club. It's fabulous. Uh, so this show is Wednesday, September 29th, 6 p.m., Smooth Jazz Jam with Hope Diamond. Um, and she's got a wonderful sax player, too, and I don't have his name right now. But um, So, 6 p.m. dinner available, 7 p.m. show, $15 cover for reservations. You can call 760-770-1300. That's Frankie's Italian Bakery on Perez Road. And um, it's a great club. You should check it out. And she's fabulous. We want to see if we can get a hold of her. Uh, but I... I'm I don't know. I was just going to show you that that's the phone number you can give it to. Her. Oh, oh, thank you. Okay, good. Let me okay, write that down. Five, yeah. five, 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 five. The you're hearing the struggles of radio life for a moment, but it happens. It happens. Yeah. But I'm actually really excited to hear about all these events. So, like, I was going to say that uh, I th- we've had Hope Diamond on the show before, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And so I'm always excited to. Uh, always excited to have recurring guests because it's like nice to see where people are going in the progress of their careers but just to reiterate i think so far like um i'm trying to i'm just trying to remember like do you remember the dates for the two other events that we've mentioned on this show uh, yes. Well, the paint out Paseo Pink is October. Let me get it. And uh, October 9th, I believe. Hold on, let me find it. Uh, here we go. Yes, October 9th. Uh, 8 a.m. Paint out Paseo Pink, and then one night only is November 10th. It's a little down the road, but they're almost sold out. Uh, one night only is November 10th, so you got to get your tickets now. Uh, McCallum Theater box office, either www.mccallumtheater.com or 760-340-2787. So check that out. You know what? I'm actually really happy to. S- I'm going to say this just because I love hearing this, but. I love hearing the word sold out when it comes to a oh, theater performance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because it's it, it tells me that the theater world is slowly coming back to normal. And so there's this beautiful, like, it's just like this beautiful thing at the end of the tunnel because it's like, oh, I think that might be Hope Diamond. I think it might. Let's see. Hello. Hi, Bonnie. Yes, is this Hope? Yes, it is. Yeah, yay, we got you, we got you. I'm so happy to have you on here. So Hope Diamond, I was just telling people about your show. Tell us oh. about the Smooth Jazz <laughs> Jam, Wednesday, September 29th. Tell us about it. Okay, September 29th. Oh, my God, this incredible friend of mine from Canada finally got here. He has a new CD out, and I have a new CD out, and we are going to be doing some wonderful contemporary smooth jazz Ooh. and it is so and it's going to be for just about a couple of hours down here at the fabulous Frankie's um, in his intimate front room this month along with Paul McDonald my conductor who has agreed to come down Excellent. and perform with and tell me tell me the sax player's name again one more time his name is Wally Larson okay alright he, he's, he's an LA guy no he's from Canada Ooh. just got here okay so, so t- <laughs> and now your now your new CD is is it Awaken? Is that the name of the CD? It's called Awaken. Mm-hmm. Okay, and where can people get it? 
Okay, you can get it right now on Spotify or iTunes, or you can call me personally at or go to my website and I will deliver it to you. Signed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's even better. Now, so tell us about, I know you are intimately involved with what's going on with Frankie's. We're so happy that Frankie's is open again. Yay! And they've got the, on Tuesday nights, we've got the jam with Doug McDonald. Uh, Thursday, oh, Thursday, oh. yeah, Thursday, we've got, of course, open with mic Joel with, with Joel. So tell us, people, what's going on. I know October things are going to ramp up a little bit, right? I think so. You know better than I in terms of just everything here in the desert. But, man, I've been reading about all the wonderful things that are getting ready to wrap up. Frankie's is getting ready to fly with music and musicians. It's supposed to be really, really phenomenal. But, you know, you've been there, and Bonnie, you sang there just the other day. It was so pretty seeing you, and I, you're just a glow in the room. Oh, you're so sweet. And, um, <laughs> so I'm going to try to do that on Wednesday, you know, yeah. with, on the 29th. <laughs> An intimate evening with a sax man. Ooh. I think Canada. sax. I think sax is the sexiest instrument in the world. It just is. Just, oh, you, just, better not, you better not tell my friend that that <laughs> plays piano and the violin. Uh oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he knows. He knows that's sexy too. So, so tell people about. So you've been you've been running all over the place. You've been back and forth to L.A. recording and this and that and written. You had a big show. You just had a big show. Yeah, uh, last you know week. Yes, I did a big band. My CD release party was in Newport, and now I'm bringing it to Palm Springs. And uh, when, when, when is that? Do we have a date yet? No, not yet. We're, okay. we're, we're racking it up so that we can get the date of finally out to everybody. And you're my first big interview, so this is kind of cool to just talk about it. And hopefully people will want to find out where Hope Diamond is going to be next month. Now, now tell people, if you had to describe your, if mm-hmm. you had to describe mm-hmm. your style mm-hmm. as, as mm-hmm. a singer, mm-hmm. what would you say? Mm-hmm. What would you say? Well, I think you're bluesy, you're bluesy and jazzy, girl. I mean, that's what I would say. <laughs> you know, I'm an R&B girl mm-hmm. with a jazz feel. Mm-hmm. When I'm on the stage, I fight myself to stand still. Mm. I go, okay, act like Nancy Wilson. Act like Nancy Wilson. But I want to dance like, you know... Natalie Cole, you know. Yeah, but she you don't you don't have to you don't have to be just like Nancy Wilson because that was her thing. You got to do your own thing, you know. I know, but you don't want me to dance that wild on the stage. We it'd be a party up in there because I used to dance on Motown. I'm an R&B girl, but mm-hmm. my business is jazz. That's mm-hmm. a, that's it. And <laughs> you know, Bonnie, come on. It, we we are young and healthy and beautiful and people love seeing us on stage and we look great, and people want to feel it. I love it. I had no idea how many people still love Motown. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's never going to go out of style. Never, never, never. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we, we just asked. I keep that in my back pocket, you know. Yeah. We, we just asked another guest we had who was a singer. What is your, yeah, most, most singers have kind of a, a one or two go-to songs. So if you were at a club or <laughs> somebody said, Hope, get up and sing. What's, what's one of your go-to songs? It, people ask me all the time on the slow song, which I did in Atlanta, Georgia. I did Georgia. Yes. On my I knew you were going to say I had a feeling you were going to say that. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but the dance song is uh, people love me to do Proud Mary. Mm. Okay. And so I now I'm taking Proud Mary. We're going to jazz it up for my next album. 
to make it more Ooh. in a jazz feel, but yet R&B feel, because it's a great tune, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about tell me about um, your. I know we've probably talked about this before, but it's been a while since we've been on the air. So would, did you start singing as a kid? You know, how did you develop your style? Did you have a, you know, you have a musical family? You know, I have nobody in my family that's musical. Okay. No. But in the church, like a lot of African Americans that came up in my era, the church was always there for us from four years old. That from reading, being able to read the words on, um, I've always been a part of the of the gospel scene. But surprisingly, gospel was not and is not gospel and blues are not my strengths. I mean, they're my strengths in that I could wail it, but it's mm-hmm. not my desire. Mm-hmm. So I don't do gospel anymore, and I do don't do blues. Okay, I'm more with. It'll always be in me, yeah. And you'll hear it in my jazz, mm-hmm. and you'll hear it in my R and B. And um, my mom and family just never really see me perform. Really, my sisters, nobody really. Oh, well, that's too bad. That's too well, bad. They just know me as Hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, they don't even know me as Miss Diamond. <laughs> and I and I always always like to ask: um, Do you have any? Do you have any special? First of all, do you a do you vocalize every every day? And b do you have any special pre show little rituals that you do? You know, during COVID, I uh, almost forgot about vocalizing daily, so I got mm-hmm. a little rusty mm-hmm. when I came on. I went because um, Atlanta, Georgia was my first show after the COVID. Mm-hmm. But I do. I do vocalize heavily. I meditate before the show. Mm-hmm. I I have to start my tea and honey. Mm-hmm. My vocals don't open up till three in the afternoon, so I hate when people ask me this thing in the in morning. The morning, yeah. And I have a contralto voice. You know what? You know, being a contralto, I'm almost a man's voice in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it takes me a long while, a lot of brrr, a lot of yeah. steps, <laughs> of practices. Yeah. A lot of no drinking because my vocals will dry up and I want to hit a high note. Mm-hmm. So coming from my lower register to go way up in my upper register, it's my vocals got to be really clean. Mm-hmm. And so it, I unfortunately can't have that champagne until at the end of my show. Okay. <laughs> okay. And now, and now tell me about your um, your hubby, who's a, who's a great guy. I met you, know your hubby kind of. Uh, has he, now he's a, he's a big support for you, isn't he? Does he now does he, does he give you, uh, do you, do you, do you go to him sometimes for constructive criticism ever? I don't have to go, honey. He's right there to give it to me. <laughs> but he, he's right there. I've had him tell me after a show, look at me and go, what was that? Uh-oh. You were not in, your heart was not there tonight. And I get so mad, but he's maybe right. He's right. Mm-hmm. But then he really cheerleads me on. Like my last, the CD release party I had in, in Newport last week. He, Everyone in the room saw him beaming. He was so happy and proud because... We worked hard, him and I, to get here yeah. on that album. He selected a half of the song. Paul mm-hmm. um, McDonald selected the other half. Mm-hmm. And we came up with an R&B and a Sinatra tune mm-hmm. and Big Band for this album. All Big Band, but R&B and jazz. Mm-hmm. And, and he's part of that selection. He's got an amazing ear. He's not a musician at all. But he has a great ear, great ear. Oh, that's helpful. That's really helpful. Yeah. So, so all right. So I know you got this new CD. You got it. You got this smooth jazz jam next week. You got your CD release <laughs> party coming in October. Uh, I know you got probably fifty other plans coming up in the next couple years. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do. I'm going to do another album. I hope to be on a European tour. European tour as soon as this stuff lifts up mm-hmm. and goes away. I won't go until it does. Mm-hmm. 
I want the musicians to be happy. You know, and when I travel, I hire musicians over where I'm at. Mm. I take my musical director with me, and then I just tell him, make it right for yeah. the night. Yeah. So he does pre-work and hires the musicians, gets the charts sent over, and I feel like a big girl. I'm really just a little girl, still trying to make my way, you know. Mm-hmm. I really <laughs> Now, Now, this next, this next album that you want to do, is it going to have a different mm-hmm. kind of feel to it? Totally, totally. It'll be more um, R&B. Okay, okay. Do you write stuff? I never asked you that. Do you ever do you write music, write songs at all? Do you know what? I'm so jealous of you. You're an excellent writer and um, and uh, theater as well. Theater was my minor in college, mm-hmm. and I don't do anything with it except on the stage. I am pretty theatrical, but but um, as far as writing, I do not even know how to write a poem. Oh, so I bet I you write. did. If you if you just sat down, I bet you it might come to you. But. <laughs> But I can't sit down. <laughs> oh, well, that's a problem. Yeah. But I don't write. So I don't write. I don't write music. Um, I've had two songs sent to me musically, and but I might have to ask you to help me because I can't write the lyrics to it. Well, I might sit down and help. Well, listen, we're, we're running out of time, my dear. Hope Diamond, okay. she's got a smooth <laughs> jazz jam next week, Wednesday, <laughs> September 29th, 6 p.m. at Frankie's. Call for reservation, yes. 760-770-1300. $15 cover, yes. dinner and show. Check her out. you got to come see my, my girl, Hope. She she rocks the place <laughs> with Wally Larson on sax. All right, darling, yes. listen, break a leg. I'm gonna be, I'll be there on Wednesday. I'm going to see you. Mm-hmm. I love. All right. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. All right. Love you. See you next week. Okay. All right. We'll be back with more on the desert scene. Desert Scene on Radio 111. Cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza. Hey, we're back on the on the desert scene. I was about to say the culture corner, but we're not you that caught anymore. Caught yourself. Caught okay. myself there. But I wanted to give you the chance to talk about an upcoming th- uh, event that you're doing. Oh, the uh, Desert Ensemble Theater Company. Uh, I've done many plays with them. Love them. DETC. Uh, Jerome Elliott and Sean Bromwitz and each season they open the season opener is a concert a uh, fundraiser for the theater and this year it's called Reunited and I am part of the cast I'm really excited myself Charles Herrera Darcy Daniels Jerome Elliott Joel Baker on piano and it's going to be the weekend August 21st I'm sorry October I think 21st 22nd 23rd I'll, we'll talk more about it when it gets closer but we're starting rehearsals and I'm really excited to be part of it and then also virtually yours oh yeah virtually yours I'm doing a show with Clifford Bell um, on October 16th and this is a virtual thing so we're going to be doing it at a high house in Palm Springs but it's going to be um, I guess streamed live so you can see it. it's not a big crowd there we're streaming it live so on Facebook I think uh, I'm really excited about that Clifford Bell is wonderful I've worked with him several times There's a number of people on this show so Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see all Yay. this stuff going for you. So definitely check out those events, everybody, when you get a chance. And then um, just remind us, like, just be sure. We'll be sure to remind you when these events happen. Yes. And of course, there's always if you always want to see what's going on in the desert, 
just tune in every Saturday, honestly, because you're going to hear a lot of events coming up and you don't want to miss out on them because there's because things are coming back. Things are coming back. Yeah, they really are. And that's great. And I think the thing is that when things coming back, it also means things sell out easily because mm-hmm. obviously people are desperate to get out of their house and go somewhere fun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I got my tickets for hairspray for the McCallum a long time ago because I did not want to miss out on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can go to a couple like shows uh, in Las Vegas. Cause there's a, um, I think they're doing cats in October and I'm trying to see if I can go, but I've already seen cats like twice. So mm-hmm. like there's a good chance that maybe I, I can live without cats another year, yeah, but, yeah. but otherwise I don't know. I, I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying to catch up on my Broadway shows mm-hmm. as they go on. Cause yeah. I know another company, Palm Canyon theater is doing Les Miserables mm-hmm. and into the woods this season. So I'm excited. I want to go to those. So to you got a couple of news stories you want to get in. Of course. Of course. Um, Elvira mistress of the dark has Ooh. finally come out in a uh, new memoir. Came out of the closet. She came out of the closet and she's had this relationship with this woman for, for 20 years. That's bizarre that they, they, she kept it a secret. That's amazing. I think I've seen a lot of people say, you know, how do you not brag about having Elvira as a <laughs> as girlfriend, your girlfriend? Yeah. for 20 years? Because everyone in the horror film community wants to date her. Yeah. And the, um, and the memoir is called Yours Cruelly, Elvira Mis- Memories of the Mistress of the Dark. And it debuted this Tuesday I believe mm-hmm. so if you really want it, it, it I think it's an interesting memoir I'm actually really curious about it but it's interesting that she barely came out yeah I, be, I bet it's an interesting read I don't know that much about her personally I don't think a lot of people do just her persona but I'm be curious about her about her life yeah I think what I'm curious about right now about other than her relationships and her time on television I'm actually curious about her rivalry with Vampira Oh, because Vampira and Elvira had like some issues because mm. Vampira felt that Elvira stole her shtick. Yeah, but I think don't steal my shtick. <laughs> yeah. I think as Boy George once said, it doesn't matter who came first; it matters who did it best. There you go. I want to get in, if you don't mind, just real quick. A couple of folks we lost um, <clears throat> not too long ago, and I don't know. Maybe you can help me. Sex in the City star Willie Garson dies at fifty-seven. Was it a heart attack? Was it Pan- co- pancreatic oh, cancer? Oh gosh. Now, Willie Garson, you know, he played Stanford on Sex and the City, mm-hmm. and he was, and his character was, you know beloved for being just a wonderful positive friend for Mm -hmm. the show and so he did a good job representing gay characters but it was just such a nice character yeah he seemed seemed like a really nice guy and also norm mcdonald who was 61 also some kind of cancer i don't know what i believe so and norm mcdonald was on snl and he 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 was a force to be reckoned with he really went in there and just challenged status quos when he was doing mm-hmm. his comedy and he was just funny in general like i love this one skit where he roasted an actress for being in a carrot top movie and it was like one of the funniest things in the world i have to send it to you but okay it, it, he's really funny and we also lost not too long ago uh, but he was much older uh ed asner who was i think 94 i think so yeah he was up there yeah ed asner had passed away mm-hmm. also melvin van pebbles who made a movie called uh he's considered the godfather of <laughs> um black cinema mm. he made sweet sweetback's badass song 
okay. and Watermelon Man movies that were about black men challenging the status quo, <coughs> whether or not they were the police. Mm-hmm. Some movies that basically have aged better than they th- than we yeah. thought. Yeah, that he also passed away yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But real quick for pop culture history, yes, yes. for September twenty fourth, the monsters finally uh, aired on nineteen sixty four, and in nineteen sixty eight. 60 Minutes aired for the first time. Wow. Gosh, it's amazing that it's been around that long. And Halloween, the horror film Halloween for September 25th for this weekend, Halloween from 1978 premiered becoming Jamie Lee Curtis's debut film yeah. and becoming this sh- a classic of the slasher film genre. And one last thing, Gilligan's Island 1964 premiered on September 26th. Wow. And I'll just throw in that in 1991, ABC tried to air Cop Rock, Dismo Show. I remember that. I remember that, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Again, this was our, our premiere, yay, Desert Scene on Radio 111. I'm Bonnie G with Brian Mendoza. Check us out. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you then.